Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. setting second verse number 32 and the bible says and when elisha was coming to the house behold the child was dead laid upon his bed he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the lord he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands and he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times. The child opened his eyes. Amen. This may be very familiar perhaps to some, but that's okay. That's a good thing. (laughs) Amen. I want to just minister this tonight, the help of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. Lord Jesus, I love you tonight. God, I'm grateful. God, for a great opportunity. Lord, account an honor and a privilege, Lord, to be in your house. I pray, O oh Lord, you would touch our hearts and our minds. God, I pray, O oh Lord, today, God, if this is anything, Lord, it'll be because, Lord, you touched it, you blessed it. God, and you did something, Lord God, to your people in order to, for them to receive it. God, I pray, O oh Lord, today, God, that you have to help us in the next few moments. God, relay a message, Lord, from your word. God, let it, Lord, benefit each of our lives. God, and I thank you and I praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Amen. Someone say, it's not over. It's not over yet. Amen. You can sit down in Jesus' name. That's right, in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a scripture that appears very, very early in this story tonight that sets the tone for a woman, a lady's impact and what she had, impact that she had upon her family. In verse number eight of this same chapter, the Bible said that it fell on a day that Elisha passed by to Shunem. There was a great woman, a great woman. She constrained him to eat bread, and so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. The the writer inserts a word there when describing this woman, and he says that she was a great woman, not just a woman, but a great woman. And so what was it that made this woman great is that she discovered the ability to not allow her surroundings to dictate Uh, to her where the real source of greatness came from. Uh, Even a life that was no doubt very busy with the hustle and bustle of society, she never allowed the little duties of her life to regulate her being little, but allowed herself to arise to a plateau of greatness. 
Amen. She was gifted according to the scripture, at least from what we read. She was gifted with a very kind heart, a heart of kindness, a heart that could denote whenever something was needed. Her focus seemed to be upon the center of her home. As many ladies are, their, their house is the, their, their throne room, their palace, so to speak. And her focus was on the center of her home. And she reached out to a world that needed her that was beyond even her four walls. But as the story would read and would be laid out to us in Second Kings 4, we find that this great woman had an incredible sense of self-control. Uh, she, she was uh, all the different tests of life that came to her she stood with excellence and she had a great inner character as it would seem but there would come a day in her life in which every fiber of her soul would be tested we find out that the Bible tells us in this story that the prophet Elisha was traveling through the land where this woman resided in Shunem one day. And having stopped in at this little home, he was given, the Bible says, a great meal by this little lady. And soon it became a ritual of his. No doubt her care must have been grand because he made it a regular stopping place for him to come by, have a meal. Anytime he came through the country, he would stop there and meet with her and her husband, which was the extent of their family at that time in Shunem. Amen. And there was just, just two there at this point in time. But after several visits, Elisha, having been there many times and returned and found himself very many times going there and eating and sharing a meal and company and fellowship with these two people, to his surprise, one day as he passes by, this family had built a small little room for the wandering prophet. So whenever he came to visit and eat, he'd have a place to stay, a, a table there in his room, a place to rest, a place of comfort for him. So the man of God determined one day they have been so kind to me. They have opened up their home anytime I have passed by. They have suffered the expense to put on an, an, another lean-to, if you will, to the house in order to uh, provide for me and allow me a place to stay and rest and comfort and get my second wind. So I'm just determined in some way and perhaps God will be determined along with me to return the blessing for how much of a blessing that they have been to my life and his request came one day when he went by that house what what can I do for this family I mean so much has been done for me what can I do for this family and it was then that an answer came amen by means that it came almost as a lightning bolt from heaven this couple is just a man and his wife just two that are abiding here childless so Elisha pronounced a promise that a child according to the time of life would be born to this man and to this woman, a child. There'd be the pitter-patter of feet that would sooner or later be gracing this home that they had never experienced and that they had never had. And I, I know I'm going kind of fast through the story, but as the story goes, uh, sometime later, just according to the prophet's words, there's a child now among the family, a small baby enters the home. No doubt years flow by, fly by just as it does when you have kids. It's not just at one time, it seems like 
they're learning how to hold a bottle and then they're walking and then they're talking back to you. Amen. And so time flies by very quickly. And as time would fly by, I can imagine Elisha as he would still visit the home, still frequent this place, still share a meal and have a place to lay his head, seeing this little boy that God allowed him to be prophetic with that was going to come to their home, see him just grow up and mature as time would go on and on, perhaps even uh, form a little bit of friendship with the miracle and the promise of God that he had delivered to this woman and this man and it came through the prophet. But the Bible says on one day this young man that had grown older went out to the field to work with the reapers and it seems like everything has went smoothly. God had been faithful to his word about bringing a child into the family. It was evidently, according to God's word, born healthy. There seems to be no problems. Everything is smooth. And then every day is just the same. Then all of a sudden there is a change up. Amen. Change has come. One day, you know, it seems just like another. Then all of a sudden, all the good days can be swallowed by one bad day. And everything came to a halt here in this little house at Shunem because the Bible says that there were different times when Elisha came, that whenever he came in verse eight, the Bible says it was a joyous time any time that he came to their house. The Bible says in verse 17 when this child was born that again it seemed to be a joyous time whenever this child was born. All the memories and the milestones of that child's life no doubt would have been a joyous time, amen, in all of those instances. But it doesn't take but a small cloud and a little bit of rain to start turning around the events of a day. And so he goes to the fields to work with the reapers and the Bible says there's a cry that comes from the field, an innocent cry, life is well, work is going on, but there's a cry that's coming from what would seem like a very safe environment. I mean, there's no combine right then uh, that they have to worry about. He's out there working with dad on the countryside, amen, and then all of a sudden a young man, amen, left home full of life, but he's brought home just a few hours later. He's cold, he's lifeless. He doesn't seem to have any breath within his lungs. Amen. The only complaint that he had out in the field, he called to his dad. He said, my head, my head. And the Bible tells us right there in that moment that this great woman's only child died. Amen. It died. Amen. And her response is just out of this world, holding him on her lap until the moment that that even happened. And then taking him and putting him in the prophet, the man of God's room that she had made, put him away upon that bed. Her ability to somehow handle the trouble and the loss that was going forth. Man, it was just unthinkable that she could just sit there with that child knowing it was going to die and then put it in the man of God's room there. Amen for comfort. Amen. Everything that she had known, everything she had desired and hoped for was now lifeless setting there in her arms and she's got to begin to consider life she's thinking here for a moment I never had a child the man of God prophesied and the child now became a part of my life I've grown attached to the child I've watched the child grow I've watched the child mature but now I'm looking into the eyes of a dead child and I'm putting a lifeless child on the bed of the man of God that said he was going to give me a child and suddenly what I'm dealing with is a promise that's gone dead. 
Amen. The promise was alive last week, but today it's dead. The promise was well yesterday, but today it's dead. Everything seemed fine at breakfast. Everything seemed okay. But right now in this moment, it's dead. It walked into the fields. It was productive. But right now I'm staring into the eyes of a dead promise. So we have a lady that's dealing with a dead promise and now life seems to be closing in upon her because what she gained from the Lord was gone. The very budding, the very maturity, the very life of this young man was all but just in a moment suddenly lost. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. It's amazing how just some things can change or alter something that was very alive, very, very vibrant, very ferocious, and all of a sudden it's closed up, it's dead, it's sitting still, it's not moving. Amen. Prophetically, this woman was dealing with a promise that was dead. And so what do you do when your promise is dead? What do you do with a dead promise? How how do you tend to that? How, How do you do anything with that? And this great woman in her hour of distress, the only only thing that she knew to do was for one to pray because her promise was dead but was then to send for the prophet that said I was to ever have the promise to begin with because I know nothing is too hard for the Lord and so for the first time in the history of that little room of the prophet for the first time in history amen that became a chamber of death that had been known as a chamber of life her sorrows great She's overcome with everything because she has a dead promise on her hands. Amen. How are you going to respond to this? In the old days, an artist invited a close friend to come to his studio to see a painting just completed. He came at the time appointed, but instead of being ushered into the studio, he was placed in a very dark room. He waited for 15 minutes, and when his friend returned, he greeted him cordially and then took him to his art gallery. Before the man left, the artist spoke to him and said, I suppose you think it very strange that I took you to the dark room and left you for so long a time. He said, but I knew that the glare of the streets in your eyes could not appreciate, you could not appreciate the fine colors within the picture. You've been out in the sunlight. It's just been bearing on you. I had to bring you in somewhere dark where I could leave you in the dark room long enough so your eyes could adjust and the glare had been worn out of your eyes so you could see the beauty of the picture. I know right now in the summertime it seems like you walk in a house after being outside and it's gross dark inside this church whenever you walk inside of it. Because there's been such the glare of the eye. He said, I couldn't allow you to do that because you wouldn't be able to see the beauty of the picture if you didn't walk through a dark place. You wouldn't be able to see the beauty of the picture. And sometimes God puts us in the dark rooms of life so that we'll be able to see the beauty of what he's really up to. The beauty of what he is really doing. This lady goes and rides on a donkey now. She's on her way to Mount Carmel to find the prophet. Her promise is dead in the the prophet's room. So not only is she dealing with a dead promise, but since he's the one that prophesied it, he in essence is dealing with a dead promise as well. 
And so whenever Elisha came in contact with the severely grieving woman, amen, and he was moved so deeply by her grief, he has knowledge, this knowledge of the child being dead. A series of events happened with the prophet for him to understand that the child is dead. And you gotta ask yourself, what do you do when something that you have prophesied into begins to die? What do you do when something you prophesied into being dies? Huh? I mean, now this dead child is something that Elisha receives from God. Uh huh. Anguish, loss, dead promise. Some of the most difficult crosses to bear are dead dreams, dead visions. Dead hope. Uh huh. Have you felt, you ever felt something so near to you that was almost a part of you that whenever it died, a part of you died? The Bible says in 2 Kings 4 29, here was Elisha's response. He said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins, take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. If any salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. So Elisha decided that the thing to do was to send Gehazi on ahead of him to take his staff and to lay that on the dead promise. And when the staff was laid upon this young boy, Elisha expected something to occur. He expected something to happen. But you know what happened? Nothing happened. Amen. Because what the child needed at that time, he didn't need a Gehazi. Didn't need a substitute. Amen. Didn't need a substitute. Because the substitutes never work. Didn't need a substitute. Nadab and Abihu in Leviticus found that out. They tried to offer strange fire a substitute. Never turns out good. Never turns out well. Hallelujah. And so he's trying to substitute. Amen. But it wasn't going to work out well. Satan even in the garden Haman tried to modify the command of God, a substitute. It doesn't work out well. Cain tried to bring, if you will, the fruit of his own labor rather than the lamb that was designated. It just doesn't turn out well. Saul was anointed king, but he forfeited all of that honor whenever he offered a forbidden sacrifice, a substitute. It never turns out well. There's always a curse. There's always failure that happens when we try to bring a substitute rather than the real thing. And so Elijah's command to Gehazi, he said, lay the staff on the child amen lay it upon the child surely something will happen but what happened was this nothing happened it caused the miracle to miscarry because he sent a substitute because the man who held the staff was not the man that was delivering the staff amen nothing happened and so the Bible says Elisha understands he's got to go there himself it says in verse 34, and he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, his hands upon his hands. He stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. And so the next thing the prophet does, he goes in there, he stretched himself upon the boy. He's covering his life with what is a dead life. He's covering his life with a living life, with what is dead. He's reaching. The Bible says he stretched himself. 
He's stretching himself as much as he can stretch himself to cover the boy. Now, I guarantee you, if there was an audience in the room, he would probably feel a little uncomfortable. Mouth to mouth, eye to eye, stretching himself up on the boy. That might seem just a little awkward, a little unorthodox, but it's what God wanted him to do in order to have the beginning stages of an incredible miracle. He says, I want you to cover the boy. I want you to cover whatever is dead with your life, and if it means stretching yourself, Stretch yourself. If it feels a little awkward or if it's a little uncomfortable, that's okay because this is the process for the reviving of your... I tell you what, sometimes we want dreams and visions and all these other things to come back alive and we're just sending staffs around and saying it's going to happen, it's going to take place. Why? Because I didn't have to walk the journey to get there. All I had to do was send somebody else. But what God is wanting is for us to go ourselves, get a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit awkward, stretch ourselves if we need to because that's the beginning promise of the miracle. God said, it's not happening with Gehazi going, Elisha, you're the one that spoke that thing into being. You're going to have to be the one to go. If you care enough about it being dead, you're going to care about it enough to have it relive. Someone shout yes. And so there he is on this dead body, mouth to mouth, eye to eye. And when the prophet covered the dead body of the child, there was something that began to happen. The, yeah, the Bible says there's something that began to happen. His eyes didn't pop open right then. There wasn't fresh wind that just entered the body. But the Bible says when Elisha had done that, that the body began to wax a little warm. It got a little heat inside of it whenever he first followed through and covered his life upon what was dead and stretched himself, felt a little awkward and comfortable. When he did that, something began to happen, some warmth came back into something that was dead. Folks, there is something powerful that happens whenever a covering is involved. I'm just running through these. But in Job 4, 20, 40, 22, the Bible says, the covering became a place of refreshing. In Psalms 91 and verse 4, the Bible says, the covering became a place of protection. In Psalms 109 and verse 29, the Bible says, the covering became a place of confusion for the enemies of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 8, that the covering of love cleanses a multitude of sins. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, that a covering of a lady's hair brings the power of the angels. There's something special about a covering. We talk about coverings of grace, coverings of mercy, coverings of blood, coverings of deliverance, coverings of power. Honey, whenever there is a covering upon the boy, there was some warmth that came back into the dead promise because there's power just in the simple fact of a covering. You ever ask somebody for some prayer covering? Honey, there's power in that. You know why that lady, the first thing she did is say, hey God, I got a dead promise on my head because she was covered through prayer. Someone say amen. And that's great. Everybody say that's great. 
It's great to have a warm promise. But it's not enough until it's alive. Uh-huh. And so after this covering, there's a little bit of warming of the body. There's nothing beyond that. So he covered, there's a little bit of warmth, but nothing else. The boy didn't jump up and say, hey, let's go fishing. There was a little bit of a repair, a little bit of something in the positive direction, and then there was nothing. Everybody say nothing. nothing. Listen to me. Sometimes you got to live through the nothings to get to the somethings. The woman with the issue of blood had her issue. I'll say it like this, 11 years, 364 days of nothing before she touched the hem and something happened. Hallelujah. The servant of the prophet went six times to the mount and looked toward the clouds and seen nothing. But on the seventh trip, he found a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Naaman dips down two, three times, nothing. But on the seventh time, uh-huh, there's a cleansing that comes upon his body. Sometimes you gotta live through the nothings to get to the somethings. Why? Because sometimes it looks like the miracle stalling. Sometimes it looks like it's not going to come to pass. Sometimes it looks like the glory of God. Hey Amen. It may be covering the earth, but it's not covering me, and it's not covering my circumstance, and it's for sure not covering my dead promise. Hey Amen. And what we desire God for do to, to do for somebody else, hey Amen. God's not doing for us. Hey Amen. And so before all of this, though, before the dead promise it was going to be restored to life, there had to be some type of persistence, like the old song used to say. Hey Amen. I would not be denied. Oh, I would not be denied till Jesus came and made me whole. I, there has to be a determination in our spirit that says, I don't see nothing right now. I don't see nothing today. I didn't see nothing yesterday. I didn't see nothing last year, but I'm still going to do what I'm doing. I'm going to keep on going on. I'll stretch my body some more. I'll walk the floor a little bit more. I'll provide the covering again. Nothing happened the first time but a little glitter of warmth. But I'm still going to go through the nothing because one of these times when I stretch myself one of these times something may very well happen and so the second time 2 Kings 4.35 the Bible says then he returned he walked in the house to and fro went up he's walking back and forth walking back and forth to and fro he goes back to the bedroom he stretches himself again. Stretches himself again. I can see him, Brother Mason. Maybe, maybe I just didn't get it all covered the first time. And he's doing a modern day plank on the dead promise. He's going up there a second time. There's a little bit of, I hope I got everything covered. Perhaps I didn't stretch enough last time. And the more that he stretches, this feels more uncomfortable than it did the first time. 
Somebody hearing me? I don't know what's going through your mind, but mine says, maybe I didn't get enough reach the first time. Maybe I didn't stretch quite just enough the first time. Honey, I'm, I'm, I'm walking, I'm praying, I'm trying to think, that man, how can this happen? I'm walking to and fro where I got a dead promise right in the house. Maybe I need to stretch a little bit further. And maybe it's going to make me feel a little bit more out of ease, but that's okay. Amen, I'm going to continue to stretch. I'm going to lay my down upon this boy. And the old prophet prayed. He stretched himself out again on that dead promise. Probably thought about giving up. Probably thought about just going home and saying, sorry, man, the boy's dead. It's going to remain that way. But while it looked like nothing, God was up to something. Oh, Elisha's saying, this is all I can do. God says, you just wait and see what I'm about ready to do. You keep doing what you're doing, and I'll show you what I can do. You handle the matters you can handle, and I'll handle the matters that you can't handle. You go, oh yeah. You stretch the distance that you can stretch. My hand has laid the palm and the distances of places on the map. You allow me to stretch on him here for a little bit, but I'm gonna do it by your effort. I'm gonna do it by your willingness. I'm gonna do it by your desire. Gets on him. There's another warmth that's coming inside of this body. Eases back into this soul. Eases back into this cold, dead promise. Amen. A recall of life comes back upon him. And just in a moment, there is a minute response from something that had been dead. It was, are you ready? It was a sneeze. I don't know the last time someone sneezed and I said, boy, that's a miracle. <laughs> sneeze, in my estimation, don't look like a miracle. Don't sound like a miracle. Doesn't smell like a miracle. But it was a miracle anyway. Because men do not define miracles. God defines It was not a wall of water that was parting. It was not a river that was parting. It was not manna falling from heaven. It was not wine coming from water. It wasn't water coming from a rock. It wasn't a stone being hurled from a sling. It wasn't being at the gate and the gate being carried away. It wasn't the sun standing still, but it was a sneeze. And in God's estimation, it was still a miracle. We're saying tonight, Brother McGee, I'm saying it was a simple sneeze. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he sneezed seven times. It's something that's very simple. A sneeze is. It's very simple. Amen. There isn't probably anything more simple than a sneeze. Amen. For one, a sneeze is involuntary. As a rule, we sneeze not because we will it, but because we must. No education, talent, instruction is needed for a sneeze. You don't have to teach your kid as they're growing up, this is how you sneeze. Except for telling them to put it in their arm. Not very impressive, but it was enough. Not much of a sound, but it was enough. Then Elisha said, hey, that sneeze. 
being an involuntary mechanism of the body is enough to tell me that's not dead anymore. Had breath back in those lungs. Breath back in that body. That promise was living again. Had purpose. Had life. I got to end here quick. I said all this really just to get right here. Okay. Fast forward from the time that the promise is restored to life. Fast forward. 11 years and you will find an incident in incident in second Kings chapter 9 Elisha's still around and Elisha needs someone to anoint a king this is based upon tradition this is based upon rabbi teachings but tradition and rabbi teachings state this that this young man that was chosen by the prophet to anoint the new king according to the rabbis and their tradition was the same man who was given as a promise to his mother and father that died, that came back to life again. That being the case, that being the case, it was a dead promise from the source of a dead promise came a fresh anointing. If that was the case, that meant that boy who was considered dead, who was considered no more, who considered had no life in him, he came back to life and 11 years later, he would be instrumental in putting fresh oil on a new king. It don't stop there, but the king that he would anoint would be the king who would one day destroy one of Israel's most difficult problems that they ever had by the name of a lady Jezebel. And all of that spun downhill from a dead promise. Somebody's not appreciating the gravity of what I'm saying right now. There is somebody that tantalized the Israelite nation for years, but God says, I'm going to bring the answer to that through a dead promise. Amen. There's a woman, there's a king that's standing over in the wing just waiting for a fresh anointing. He can't give no edict. He can't exert no power. He has no rulership until oil touches his hand. He says, I'm going to do that through a dead promise. What are you saying? I'm saying this. Our dead promises are important. Our dead and promised promises are important. Somebody needs to stretch themselves. Somebody needs to get uncomfortable because there's something that's coming out of a dead promise that's going to bring a fresh anointing and that's going to bring victory to a people. So what are you saying? I'm saying this. 20 years. 20 years had passed since the prophecy of Jezebel's demise. It was prophesied, and it's not like it took place the next day. It was prophesied 20 years before it ever happened. And the sovereignty of God interworked in there that I'll bring a promise to pass. I'll let it die and come back to life to do my work for something that was prophesied 20 years and in that interim of time 
a promise will live, die, and come back to life and have a hand in what I'm going to do. What are you saying? I'm saying this. Whenever God gets ready, he can awaken some dead promises and bring a fresh anointing to every other venue and area of your life. Stand with me tonight. Having that knowledge, she caused my faith to leap just a little bit. Uh-huh. She caused my faith to leap just a little bit. Because I understand this. God's word is so true. So perfect and so true. It tells me this. That if he begun to work. If he begun to work. God is going to finish the work that he started. We bow our heads all across this place today. God, I love you. I love you. I love you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. God, I pray, oh Lord, right now. God, I pray, Lord, over the dead promises, God, in this place. God, I pray over the dead promises, Lord, in this place that's been given to people individually, given to the church collectively. I pray, God, over dead promises. I pray, oh God, I don't want to assume the row that I'm just going to leave them in the room and that's the extent of that it's going to go. God, I would take an acknowledging that it's dead. That's an important part of the process. It's dead. Acknowledging it's dead. That's important. Amen. But it also doing something about it. You got to have a prophet. It just didn't affect the lady. It affected the prophet. It affected them both. Both of them. To them, it was dead. But the prophet says I got to do something about this I'm going to stretch myself God says stretch myself upon this child God says stretch myself upon this child God says cover this deadness with life do you hear me God says cover this deadness with life it's getting just a little warm it's getting just a little warm what am I going to do what I'm going to do go stretch yourself again prophet go stretch yourself again maybe a little bit more this time than what you did last time stretch yourself to stretch yourself lo and behold a sneeze that's enough. Folks, all I need, all I need is just a sneeze. <laughs> all I need right here is just a sneeze because that would bear proof that there's life. That would bear proof that there's life. God only knows. God only knows the things that he'll bring back to life, what he'll continue to do with them and through them if they just ever sneeze. God only knows. God only knows the anointing. God only knows the fresh oil. God only knows the victories. They'll be birthed and born just out of something coming back to life again that he promised us. Something coming back to life again that he promised us. But I'm asking us tonight, I'm asking us as a congregation, please, please hear me, hear me, hear me. I'm asking people in this place tonight. I'm asking you to go back through your mind, remember every promise ever been told you and this church. I'm asking you to recall that to memory for the many days ahead. I'm asking you that. And then the next thing that I'm asking you is this. Cover whatever seems to be dead with your life and stretch. Stretch. What does that interpret, Pastor? Listen to me. What does that interpret? This is what, this is what I'm meaning. If your prayer used to be 30 minutes, pray 40. If you usually fasted one meal, try fasting a day. If 
you fell into a place of being a little mediocre in your worship, worship a little bit more extravagantly until you feel uncomfortable. Well, I just don't know about that. It's our promise. It's our promise. Gotta, gotta stretch. Gotta stretch. And if I'll continue stretching, Elijah didn't give that boy, Elisha didn't give that boy life. God gave that boy that life. But Elisha was instrumental in what the development came about with what God had done. I preached not too many weeks ago. I do not believe as a church that our best days are behind us. I don't believe it, Alex. I don't believe it. I'll read, I guess I'll go, I'll die on my deathbed not believing it. But I believe that, I, I, I feel like we could probably stretch ourselves a little bit more. Sincerely, I really do. And I, I say we, I didn't say you all. I said, listen, there's nothing, whenever, whenever a preacher preaches and a pastor pastors, he pastors himself. I hate to tell you, but he does. There's nothing I'm not going to say to you that I don't need myself. We got to stretch ourselves. If it's normally getting here five minutes before church starts, why don't you move it to about 15 or 20? And if you never went to the prayer room, why don't you try going? Stretch. I don't want to form committees and say, well, you know what? The promise is over in the room there yonder. It's dead. It's a great acknowledgement. But acknowledgement without any type of work any problem for that matter. You, you acknowledge your problem all day long. But if there's no course of action, all you got is you're at a stymied place where you still have the same thing and you know it. Stretch. Will someone stretch out their hands just right now to heaven? Will you just stretch them? Stretch them. God, I, I'm going to start. I'm going to start on a journey here the next few weeks. I'm going to stretch myself and I'm going to make it make it uncomfortable for me. That, that whenever I pray, and I, you know, I just want to get up because I feel like I I'm going to stay. And although that makes me feel uncomfortable, I'm like, man, what else do I got to say? Consider the promise that you're providing a covering for. Consider the promise that you're providing a covering for. At that moment in time, Elisha was covering and stretching himself over something dead. But the future, the future would really tell the story that what he was stretching himself over was a fresh anointing. What he was stretching himself over was a victory that came no other way. Now, if we go into it with that mentality, I'm not just stretching myself over something dead here. I'm stretching myself over a fresh anointing. I'm stretching myself over something that's bringing grand victory to my life and to my assembly. That may change the dynamic about your, your, your fortitude and your, 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 your tenacity to want to do the stretching. Hallelujah. Heads bowed all over this place right now. These altars are open. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.